We could have basically done an hour show on highlights of the two baseball victories from this weekend, but instead of doing that, we'll just give you a few here and guide you to Bulls Unlimited and Bulls Unlimited 2, where we'll be replaying both those games plenty over the next few days. No midweek game for the Bulls, so they're back at home on Friday. And yeah, there were a lot of highlights, offensively especially. Game 2, you won't hear get replayed because of what happened. And man, was there a lot that was different about Game 3. We'll get there in a second. But Friday night, also different. Orion Kirkring not starting for the Bulls. As Billy Mole said that with Kirk's struggles out of the Friday night starting spot, he gave up four runs, as you'll recall, in the first inning to Tulane. And then last week, a seven-run fifth inning against Memphis. So the Bulls' third starter is kind of a shaky scenario right now. Brad Lord and Ethan Brown and then make it work in the other game. In this case, Lord pitched well up until the fifth inning, and he got some run support in the second. First time the Bulls had led in a Friday night conference series. Two and two. Cantu strokes it to left field. That is going deep, and it is going to put the Bulls ahead. It's off the wall. One run will score. Gonzalez is going to be waved around third, and a two RBI double for Daniel Cantu. You heard there were a lot of Bulls fans there. We'll get more into a big clan of them here in a second, but up two to nothing and adding another run in the third inning again we are replaying the game so if you want to hear how everything unfolded we'll give you the cliff notes here but Marcus Brodell was huge in this game at three hits a triple and would score on Joaquin Monquet's sack fly and then bottom of the fourth as it was three nothing and nobody on and two outs Brad Lord gets a routine ground ball throwing error and then Carrington cross two run homer and it was a game and then the Bulls would fall behind as Cincinnati scored five runs in the bottom of the fifth inning. Lord gave up a homer and a double, was pulled. The Bulls had gotten one back in the top of the fourth on an error, so they had the 4-2 lead very briefly. Kirkring comes in and struggles, hits a man, walks a man, two two-run singles, and Cincinnati looks like they have solved the Bulls' pitching duo and are going to cruise. But then Daniel Cantu, pretty big day, another two-RBI hit, to give him a career tie-hying four, Bulls get to within a run. That was big because it goes from seven to four to being a game. And even though Cincinnati would push one across in the sixth, well, I have to play this highlight of how they scored in the seventh. Bottom of the sixth just allowing the one. Oh, that ball is drilled to right field, and it will get down. And they are going to send Jackson Mayo around, and Sonny Rayo scores Mayo. And Hayo, it's eight to seven. Nice job there by Sonny couple of freshmen combining. And we fast forward to the top of the ninth. Cincinnati does not really have a great bullpen. Garrett Harker, a freshman who had not had a save, comes in. And you like the fact that the Bulls had the top of the order coming up. And it was just a one-run margin. And sure enough, Carmine Lane singles. Jackson Mayo had a tremendous weekend. Does the same. Marcus Brodell, a bunt that worked out to the tune of three pretty enjoyable at-bats in a row. Bulls have had a ninth inning rally at home this year against Mercer, but not on the road yet. Squaring to bunt and dropping down a butte. That should be an infield single. Bases are loaded. Brodell's third hit of the day is a masterful bunt single. But you want something here. You want some production here. Two and two. Curveball, that's drilled. That's at least going to tie the game. It is caught barely in left field, but the game is tied as Lane strolls to home plate easily. But I told you, Monke. Making contact, that's all you needed there. His second RBI, both on sack flies here tonight. They have battled back from down 7-4 to, to tie it at 8. You want to go ahead here, though. 
Oh, Rio Drew's up on it's headed through the gap. It is going to get down and through. And the Bulls lead. One run scores. Here comes Eaton with run number two. Sunny day for the Bulls. It's 10 to 8. Rayo with his third hit. Yes, yeah, Sonny Rayo. Remember way back when he was hitting 188? Hadn't gotten a hit in more than a month. Yeah, that was way back about uh, 10 days ago. <laughs> Unbelievable. Had that two-run triple that sparked the one win against Memphis. Has been in the lineup ever since. And yeah, a career-high day in hits and RBI in this one. And they needed the extra run there to go up 10-8 because Hunter Mink who along with Tanner, of course, they're from the Twins, Palm Harbor U, but they were born and raised in Cincinnati. So when they got introduced, they had a large gathering there, and they were sweating it out along with the broadcaster. But with the bases loaded, and it was two walks and an error, they had no hits in the inning, but a sack fly to draw within a run and another walk to reload the bases. Hunter Mink was having issues finding the strike zone until he got two Ks, including this one, to end it. It's either going to be a thrilling finish or a heartbreaker. And let's not go to three and two before we find out. Let's see if two and two can be the action pitch for Hunter Mink in the stretch. Takes a deep breath, delivers. Swung and a miss, strike three, game over! Bulls win! What? A thriller! Man, was it ever. And the Bulls again, Daniel Cantu, four RBI and three hits each for Sonny Rayo, who about 10 days ago had three hits total in his career. Marcus Brodell with three as well. The Bulls, and this is where the pitching with no Jack Jasiak could be an issue. They went with Joseph Sanchez in game two. He pitched okay in two innings, but Cincinnati put up four home runs and got eight runs in the bottom of the sixth inning. Real control problems for the latter Bulls relievers. And the only good news was it was over quick with the run rule. And the Bulls had Ethan Brown and Orion Kirkring and Hunter Mink ready to go on Sunday. They did their job and the bats did their job. Oh, there were some differences as far as the bats went. This was our pregame talk with myself and head coach Billy Mole. Obviously, you look at the lineup today and you've got a left to your face and you got five lefties in the order with guys all over the place. Tell people what's going on. Well, we just had a uh, we had a few guys uh, with a little violation of team rules last night. Uh, so it's forced us to, to play some guys in some different spots. Um, but the guys who do the right things are all the time are in the lineup today. And you'll see Bobby at, Bobby at short. Um, you know, he's you know one of the hardest workers on this team. So good things happen to those who do right all the time. Without naming names, it's pretty easy to figure out if you're a Bulls follower. There were five individuals not available for the game, four offensive players, and all right-handed bats. So A, the Bulls are going up against a lefty and had to throw out five lefties. B, they had zero offensive backups. That's why I put out videos of pitchers hitting home runs in batting practice, just in case Joseph Sanchez can hit the ball, and so can Austin Grouse. Just in case they would have been needed with someone getting hurt. Yeah, Nelson Rivera had to play in this game despite his gimpy ankle. He was doing his part. So were the upperclassmen that were in the game. But it was all about the freshmen. If you want all of the highlights, they are up. We didn't want to make you wait. We posted these on Sunday from the airport. Just scroll down here on the Unlimited Unloaded page, and we've got a full highlight reel for you. Let's just sprinkle in a few of the freshmen doing some work. Full count, and it's drilled over the head of the shortstop. Bozer will score. Racing around behind him is Cantu. For Jackson Mayo, that one drives in two, and it's five to two. Now it's Bozer. Oh my goodness, he unloads into that ball. Going back on it is Merritt. 
Could it be another one for the freshman? Over the wall! Home run! Bobby Bozer cranks one out of here. And indeed, the freshmen are leading the way. Oof. He makes some significant contact with the baseball. Brodell whacks it the other way. Could it stay fair? It's drifting. Yeah, that's fair. Absolutely, another big hit for the freshman. This could score two. Rivera is gonna be waved around. I guess his ankle is okay. Yeah! A two RBI double. Down the left field line by Marcus Brodell. And the fabulous freshman continue the run fest for the Bulls. It's 11 to two. And Mayo and Rayo both with three hits. Brodell and Bozer, who we could say the, see the way this inning is going with two. They all have three RBI, exception being Rayo with two. Monkey and Lane both have two, and Rayo might have a fourth hit. It's off the glove of the first baseman and flipped to second, and then it'll be an infield single. Part of the six-run ninth inning. The Bulls had already clinched it by then, but why not 19-5? to five? The four freshmen, you just heard a good cross-section of work from Jackson Mayo, Sonny Rayo, Marcus Prodell, and Bobby Bozer. They combined for 13 hits, 12 runs, and 12 RBI each. Much more on the baseball team on Wednesday. We'll take a break from doing the show tomorrow. Softball only got in two games, and if you could have predicted the weather, would have wiped things out on Sunday completely. You probably, if you're Ken Erickson, would have gone with Georgina Corrick on Saturday, but... That's kind of the story, and it was all the last year. It looked like the Bulls were in okay shape this year, but then what happened on the weekend happened. First of all, Georgina Cork did great in the first game. She actually gave up a first-inning homer, but Vivian Pond ties it with the homer in the fourth. We told you Samantha Pochop was pitching pretty well for Tulsa. Well, that stayed the case. Both teams had their chances in this game but could only score one run. Until the seventh, Josie Foreman leads it off with a single, and then Georgina Corrick, a one-out pinch hit single herself after an error loaded up the bases. Alexis Johns takes one to center field for a surefire go-ahead RBI sacrifice fly. Emily Hanlon was the pinch runner. But that highlight of the baseball team getting out of a bases-loaded bottom of the ninth, Tulsa loaded up the bases off of Corrick. Solid singles, they steal second, and then she hits a batter on three and two, and there's only one out in this situation, but a strikeout and a ground out, and the Bulls hang on. So, here comes the second game, no Georgina Corrick, and it was over fast. In fact, as I said on Twitter Saturday, I'm going to guess it's never happened. No, I'm not going to do the research, but if you think about it, baseball run rules are very rare. Softball, not as infrequent, but that might have been the first day that USF's baseball and softball teams both lost via the run rule, so it was kind of a forgettable Saturday, but really concerning on the softball side because at some point Georgina Cork can't pitch every game, and this Tulsa team is well below 500. You can maybe understand if you know Cork didn't pitch against the Gators and the Bulls lost in run rule fashion, but this was Tulsa, and it was a five spot in the first inning, and Aaron Pepping, who continues to get the chances at the second start, continues to not be able to go deep. She gave up a hit-by-pitch, a single, walked a batter on a full count, bases were loaded, Pepping was done. Tulsa, with Lexi Kopko pitching, would get to five runs, a big three-run homer. And the game essentially was over with no cork. Actually, she did start at first base, got one at bat, but with those five runs in the first inning. Again, it was decided, and I'm thinking Ken Erickson was planning for something on Sunday that didn't happen. The rain was just moved up too early in the day, and you just can't make those games up. So... 
Houston with the win against UCF and the Bulls with not beating Tulsa twice. Bulls are actually behind Houston. If they win the series this weekend, though, they don't even have to sweep it. They will be ahead of Houston. And then with just one conference series to go, believe it or not, the conference tournament is in about two weeks in Greenville. The Bulls finish up at Memphis, which is looking like it'll be the last place team. So if they can get back on the good side and win the series against Houston, you'd love to be able to sweep it. They'd be not quite a lock, but in really good shape for the NCAA tournament and hopefully a run in the conference tournament. So both teams playing Houston this weekend, both Cougars teams above 500 in conference play, whereas the baseball team is 4-8 and eight in the league and the softball squad, you know, remember they were off to an 0-3 start getting swept by UCF, so 6-5 and five doesn't look great, but they were kind of in a hole and can still finish with a pretty nice conference record and likely as the three seed for the conference tournament. That's going to do it for Bulls Beat. No show on Tuesday, but we'll give you a little bit of a hint. We'll be telling you about another transfer for the women's basketball team, another McDonald's All-American who can shoot three-pointers. I'll be dropping by school on Tuesday, try and grab some interviews for you as well. But Tuesday, we're going to get some other administrative stuff taken care of that I've been letting slip with all of my play-by-play duties and taking a morning off from the show will help out with that. So thanks for indulging that. We'll see you guys on Wednesday.